0: morning. I want to welcome you to this new series that we are doing through the month of July. We're calling it Save the Date. And if you couldn't figure it out from the bumper video, it is about marriage. Uh, Marriage is something that's been on my mind, on my heart for a little while. We just had camp And I went over to help serve at camp this week with some of you. Thanks again for those of you who serve, but also those of you who have been giving so that our students can go and be part of camp. There's been some incredible spiritual things happening over the last three weeks. There's two to go. Keep praying for the kids at camp. Uh, But I was assigned uh, the topic from Genesis chapter 2 about being together and uh, relationships, and so I got to talk a little bit about marriage, which might seem like kind of an odd thing to talk to you know, sixth, seventh graders about, but here's what's kind of cool. In the middle of all the stuff that happens at camp, and there's a lot of fun stuff that happens. Uh, I drove our church van down to the lake every day, and there was another pastor who's kind of new to the camp uh, scene, and we were asked which cabin we wanted. Do you want the girl's cabin or do you want the boy's cabin? And I immediately said, I'll take the girl's cabin (laughs) before he could even think about it. And he picked up on that, and he said, why did you do that? And I said, you'll see. (laughs) You'll find out. And so we compared notes. I got to listen to Let It Go from Frozen all week long, which, uh, you know, it's the same song. It was kind of fun, though. But he got to listen to songs about bathroom humor for the entire week. And uh, so he's like, okay, I get it now. He'll be quicker next year. But in the in the middle of all of that, uh, there's some just um, incredible spiritual things happening. And my subject matter for my chapel uh, was about marriage. And the the tie-in for that age group is this. My wife and I, as many of you know, we're celebrating 25 years of marriage. You know when we met? We met each other for the very first time in seventh grade. That's when we first met. Now, we didn't start dating in seventh grade. We didn't start dating until later. Uh, got engaged in college. But just think about that. Kind of let that settle on your mind. I met my wife. I knew her. In the seventh grade and so some of the things that we talked about uh, even at that age about what are you looking for when the time does come for you to start being interested in in dating and then when you're looking in uh, interested in in marriage what are the things that you're looking for we had that conversation it was really really good and so this this subject matter has been on my heart but i i just want you to know right up front that the purpose of this series is to strengthen our marriages, mine included. I want, I want a strong, healthy marriage like you do. The purpose of this series is if you are married, I, I want to hopefully give you some things that will help strengthen. If you're not married, uh, you don't have to take the month of July off and go do something else. We'd love to have you come be part of this because if you're thinking about one day being married, hopefully you'll hear some things along the way. That will help prepare your heart, prepare you for a healthy marriage. And if you are single, and that's, maybe you're a widow, maybe you're a widower, and uh, maybe you're just single, and it, there's, there's no um, prospects on the horizon as far as marriage might be concerned for you. Uh, what does singleness look like? How, how, can, how can we be single in a way that honors God? And so we want to talk about all of those things throughout this month. And I just want you to know it's not my it's not my heart's intention in any way to uh, to burden you with any kind of shame uh, or condemnation. It's it's not my you know, if you've been through some things in life, you've been maybe through the, the pain of divorce, the, the goal of this series is not to stand at the door and hand out you know, to go bags of guilt for for the way home. That's not what this is about. We all have shortcomings. We all have experiences in our lives, in our past, that we might not be proud of, things that we could do better. And I include myself in that. I include our, my, my wife and I's marriage in that. We are all messed up people. We are all in need, you, me, we are all in need of God's grace. Grace. And so I just want us to walk into this series together with that common baseline that we're walking into this together, understanding that, uh, that we, we all have areas in our lives that, that God needs to touch and change and improve. There, there are things that God needs to remove from our lives. There are things that God needs to enhance in our lives. That's true of, of your marriage and my marriage. That's true of our walk with Jesus. We need God's grace every day. And so if we have that understanding walking into this series together, just know that if you do have a healthy marriage, uh, praise God. Uh, Hopefully there'll be some things that uh, you'll hear that will be helpful to you to make it better, make it stronger. If we talk about something in this series that convicts your heart, and that's possible, that may happen, I am praying that you will experience the the love, the grace of God through forgiveness, through repentance, that his power to change things in our lives would be very clear to us. And that uh, if there are things in my life, your life, that God wants to change, that we will be humble enough to allow him to do that in our lives. Again, I think the idea... It's been on my heart for a little while to, to do a series on on marriage, um, partly because we have a milestone anniversary coming up here in a couple weeks, but uh, also because I've got I've got two kids that are that are in that age. We're in a season of life right now uh, where we've got two kids old enough, you know, of marrying age, if you want to describe it like that. Uh, now, our daughter Faith, she's not allowed to date until she's 40, so we've got plenty plenty of time for her, uh, but the older two, they're, they're in that season of, of life. In fact, uh, my oldest daughter, Hannah, as of last night, is now engaged. Yes, we are. If you haven't met, met Vince yet, make sure you say hi to Vince, introduce yourself. Uh, we are very excited for them in this uh, next chapter, this season of their lives, uh, and so it's on my heart. Uh, I I want for my children what I would assume that every parent wants for their children. I I would want my my children to experience a healthy marriage, if if marriage is what God has planned for them. And as your as your pastor, I, I just want you. to, That's my heart for you too. I, I I want every one of you to be blessed in life. It's uh, when you hurt, I hurt. When uh, when you go through things in life that are challenging, just know that our staff uh, we pray for you with 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 broken hearts. Uh, that matters to us uh, when you're hurting. Uh, and we want you to be blessed in your everyday lives, and we want you to be blessed in your families, we want you to be blessed in your marriages. And uh, so hopefully these things will add to that blessing in your lives. I also, uh, as we're getting all the disclaimers out of the way here at the beginning, just so you know, the, the sermon series itself, the original version, we are giving you our version. Pastor Caleb and I are splitting this up throughout the month of July and we're giving you our version of a series that Pastor Craig Grishel did at Life Church called Save the Date. So we're using that title and uh, we are pulling out some uh, key themes that he used that we think are are really helpful. Um, For example, we're gonna be talking about three qualities that you need before you get married. We are going to be talking about five signs that you are dating the wrong person. That might be a helpful one. And we're going to talk about four lies that destroy marriages. Four lies that destroy marriages. I think it's all really good stuff. I think it's very helpful. Uh, Pray for us. Uh, Pray for Pastor Caleb and I as we present the material that we would do so uh, in a way that's biblically accurate, in a way that is... um, heart sensitive, that that it would be in, in humility that would connect with your heart. Uh, that's our desire, and we just ask for your prayer uh, as we pray over you. And so let's take just a moment and and pray and ask God to do that now. Lord, I do want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together this month and talk about an important subject matter. Uh, Lord, uh, we're just asking for the 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 humility of heart to hear from you to listen carefully to uh, your spirit to your word uh, and that if there are things in our lives in our marriages that you uh, reveal to us that you want to change uh, that we would be open to that and that we would listen and uh, not just hear words but have a desire uh, Lord to apply these biblical truths in our lives knowing and believing that your desire through your love for us is to bless us and to make our lives better. And we'll just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. We're gonna start off the series with a really easy softball question. Easy softball question. Why are there so many broken marriages? I figure we should be able to figure that out and fix it in the next 20 minutes, right? That's pretty easy. Now, it's not, it's not really that... Uh, not really that easy of a question. I, I was looking, I was looking at the latest research that I could find on, on divorce, and um, you know the numbers, you know they're they're not encouraging. Um, not only are the divorce rates in America still high, uh, they're not the highest in the world, but they're among the highest in the world. Uh, the other thing that I noticed, you know that, I mean, that's nothing new, but one of the things that I noticed, the trend line in the last 10 years, the trend line seems to indicate that more and more people are rejecting the idea of marriage altogether. They're just forgoing it and uh, choosing to, to live together. And the statistics on those relationships aren't showing any better results It's not like, oh, we found a better way to do relationship. Just forget about marriage, and then those relationships are super successful and great. That's not what the statistics are showing. But we're seeing that trend, and uh, I know we probably don't want to hear this, but Christian families, we don't seem to be immune from the things that destroy marriages either. And I think it begs the question, why? I think we should ask why. Why are there so many broken marriages? And I'm sure we could make a long list uh, of of reasons for, for why that is happening, but I believe it comes down to, you can take all of those reasons and they're probably absolutely valid, but I believe you can summarize them, you can condense all of them into one core reason. One core reason why marriages fall apart. Marriages fall apart when we do not apply biblical principles in our own lives when we do not apply biblical principles to our marriages, which I suppose uh, reminds me of one more disclaimer, just as a reminder of where you are this morning. Maybe it's possible that someone uh, invited you to go have some great coffee this morning. Hey, we have this great coffee shop. I think you'd really like it. And so you're out here having coffee, and then whoever invited you was like, hey, I wonder what's going on in there. Let's go check that out, and tricked you into being in here this morning. You have no idea where you are. That'd be weird, but let's say it's possible. Uh, You are at church this morning, and uh, we will be presenting a biblical view Of marriage. I don't want you to be surprised. I don't want you to experience shock and awe like, what is he talking about? This is a church. We are going to present a biblical view, a gospel centered view of marriage. And here's what that means what you're going to hear this month is not going to match up with what you hear about marriage, the view of marriage that you hear from entertainment, from the entertainment world. What you're going to hear this month is not going to match up. With uh, what you may hear from popular influences uh, influencers in our culture i I figured this out a long time ago. Um, I was before I was a full time uh, pastor I was a part- time youth pastor, and my full time job at the time, many many years ago, was a social worker and i did I was a family service worker for uh, this federal program and I uh, had a different families assigned to me that I would help. Well, my boss, because I was uh, in part time ministry, working my way towards the opportunity of a full time ministry position at some point, um, she had asked if I would put together a seminar, uh, some classes on marriage for, for our families. And sure, that's fine. I'd love to do that. And so I put, th- I think it was like four or five days, four or five different classes that I put together for this. And We had like nine or ten uh, couples that signed up for it. Nine or ten couples showed up for the very first class. Uh, By the end of the series, almost all of them dropped out. Almost all of them quit. And the feedback that I got from the ones that quit were like, this is stupid. Uh, This makes no sense. What he's saying is crazy. And the ones that did make, I think it was like one or two couples that went through the whole thing. Their feedback was, we are fighting more now than we did before we took your class. <laughs> oh, this is an absolute epic fail. And uh, at the time, you know, I was like, what did I do wrong? Did I present the material poorly? Maybe. But looking back on that experience now, um, I think part of the problem, part of the problem was I was presenting um, biblical principles. Now, again, it was a federal job. So I, I didn't have my Bible out on the table and I wasn't reading, you know, quoting verses directly from the Bible, but I was presenting biblical principles to a group of people that really had no interest in what these biblical principles were rooted in. I really think that what their expectation was, was for me to be like Dr. Phil that would show up and tell their spouse why they needed to do better. I really feel like that's what they were hoping to hear. They weren't interested in these biblical principles. So full disclosure, no surprises. Right up front, the series is rooted in a biblical view of marriage. So if that's not your interest, if surrendering your life to Christ, if surrendering your marriage to the Lord is not the track that you're on right now, most likely this series is going to cause irritable bowel syndrome by the time we're done. Just know that up front. But here's why I'm hoping you will still hang in there with us. I'm hoping you'll hang in there through this series. Because I have, you know, I've been ministering for over 20 years. And uh, in, in that 20 years, uh, in books that I've read, even experienced beyond me, I, I've never, not once, ever heard someone say the reason that our marriage fell apart was because my husband was so loving towards me, so unconditionally loving, so sacrificially loving towards me, I couldn't take it one more day. No one's ever said that to me. I, I've never had someone come in and say, my Uh, uh, My wife and I were separated or were divorced and and the reason for our our, uh, broken marriage, she used to treat me with such high respect and what I was really looking for, I wanted so badly to be demeaned, I wanted so badly to be nagged every day and she just couldn't deliver and I couldn't take it anymore, I had to get out. Of the relationship. No one's ever said that to me. I've never heard anyone say the reason for their divorce was because they went through and tried to find biblical principles to live by, to apply to their marriage, and when they applied a biblical principle like faithfulness, when they applied a biblical principle like selflessness, when they applied a biblical principle like grace, it just ruined their marriage. I think the opposite, though, is what I have found to be true. Every broken marriage can, can trace its fault line back to biblical principles for life, for marriage that were either ignored, not being lived out. And I, I know that even in my own Christian marriage, that every, every tension that Angie and I have experienced over the past 25 years, every time that we have uh, had relationship drift, every time we've had conflict, one or both of us was either doing the opposite of what Scripture teaches and how to treat one another, or, or, or we've been taking biblical principles and trying to manipulate them so that it was uh, my version of that, well yeah, I, I see what it says, but i don 't really like that uh, i 'll do my version of that, and that doesn 't work that 's why I believe there's only one core reasons a reason why so many marriages fall apart. if your expectation now or in, in the series or, or in life is that uh, you are looking for the perfect marriage, a marriage that will never experience conflict, a, a marriage that will that will never have any tension, will never have any relational drift in it. You have an unrealistic expectation. That, that's just part of life. That's part of marriage. We all have it. We all experience it. The problem comes when we, when we don't then apply biblical principles in, in how to resolve those things. This morning, what I would like to do is focus on what I would say is the most foundational biblical principle that we can build the rest of these on. We're gonna talk about a lot of, I hope, helpful things this month. But we need to have this one right. We have to have this one biblical foundational principle understood and we have to get it right or or we won't be able to build on it all the other things that we're going to talk about. We're going to fall short. And I'd like you to write it down. We're talking about Christian marriage. So this is a Christian view on marriage. Christian, a, a, a biblical view on marriage is this, that marriage is a covenant not a contract. So if you're filling in the blanks on your notes page, fill that in, that marriage is a covenant, not a contract. When we look at marriage from a biblical, gospel-centered view, we are going to discover it is a covenant, not a contract. And if we don't get that one right, everything else the marriage, or the, the Bible teaches us about marriage, it's going to be really hard to accept, it's going to be really hard to live out consistently. Would you join me in Matthew chapter 19? Matthew chapter 19. While you're finding that, let me give you the context for the story we're going to read. Jesus was teaching a a crowd of people. And in the middle of that, these Pharisees, these experts in the Jewish law... They approached Jesus, and their intention was to undermine him. Their intention was to discredit Jesus. And so they came with that goal in mind, and they asked him a question. You see it here in the beginning of chapter 19. Their question was this, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now, even if you don't know a whole lot about the Bible, uh, you, you can sniff that one out, right? You can, you can sniff out that that's a setup question. And Jesus sniffs it out too. It's, it's an obvious setup question. Who, who's asking the question? Uh, this is a question about the law from a bunch of lawyers. They already know the answer to the question. But listen to how Jesus responded. Verse 4. Haven't you read the scriptures? I love his first reaction. He's like, guys, uh, pretty sure you should know. Have you not read the scriptures? Don't you know the law? Haven't you read? What's the scripture say? Jesus replies, "The scriptures. They record that from the beginning. What's the beginning? From the creation." when God created the heavens and the earth, when he created men, when he created man and, and, and woman. God He says God made them male and female. So he takes them back to creation, Genesis chapter one, when, when God creates male and female, man and woman. And then he said, verse five, this explains why a man, this is from Genesis chapter two, verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined, united to his wife. And the two are united into one. They become one flesh. Now, we, we know we're talking about something spiritual here because we don't have a physical coming together like some type of weird cyborg experiment. That's not, it's not a physical thing that happens, but there's something spiritual that takes place. Verse six, since they are no longer two but one, Let no one split apart what God has joined together. So Jesus takes them back to the creation, back when everything was perfect, and in God's perfect design of everything, one of the things that God created was marriage, and his perfect design from the very beginning was uh, in marriage was a man and a woman in a lifelong covenant together. That was, the, that was the perfect design. And listen to how they, they fire back at Jesus. So they think they have him. They think they're slick. They think they're sly. Verse 7. Oh, okay. Okay. Then why did Moses say, I'm adding the snark? All right. The snark's not in the parentheses. I'm adding the snark. Oh, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? Don't you believe in Moses? Don't you believe what Moses taught? Are you discrediting Moses? I added all that. But that's the tone. That's their attitude. And they think they're slick. They think that they've just embarrassed Jesus in front of this crowd. They think they are undermining him. But Jesus replies back and just cuts their knees out. Jesus replied, "You yeah, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. It was not what God had originally intended, and I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. See, the Pharisees were looking at marriage from a contract view. That's what they're talking about, this certificate, a written notice of divorce. Marriage is nothing more than a contract. And Jesus says, no, no, no. He wants them to see marriage as a holy, binding covenant. Pastor Craig, in his original version of this uh, sermon, this series, he points out that a contract is based on mutual distrust. That's, that's a really good definition of what a, the purpose of a contract is. It's based on mutual distrust. If you and I uh, we're going to have some work done at our home, maybe we're going to have a kitchen remodel, maybe we're going to add a garage, and we uh, hire someone to do that, a, a contractor to do that, we're going to have a contract why well to protect our rights to uh, and, and so that there are limits on their responsibilities as long as everyone lives up to the terms of the contract everything's good everyone's happy the relationship will continue but when someone does not live up to the terms of the The contract, someone doesn't live up to the expectations of the contract, well, that's reason to part ways. And if marriage is just a piece of paper, if marriage is just a contract between two consenting adults, well, then it makes sense. It makes sense to part ways when the terms of the contract are not being met, when expectations aren't being met. If marriage is nothing more than a contract, well, why bother with it at all? You know, why not just live together, share the the living costs with someone, split up the chores, split the phone bill, share a bed? What could go wrong? Now, statistically, we see uh, those relationships uh, they don't they don't have a high success rate. But people uh, they 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 go into it with this idea of a a contract. And Pastor Craig, in, in his series, points out that when that's the view of marriage, yes, you are fully entangled. Fully entangled, but not fully committed. See, the problem with playing house, the problem with pretending to be married is that you are treating marriage like a contract, not a holy covenant like God designed it to be. And if... If that's your view of marriage, well, it's like any other contract. If the expectations aren't met, if the, the, the letters of the contract aren't being fulfilled, well, it's, it's reason, it's legit reason to part ways, you know, take the loss, try again. But marriage was not designed by God to be seen this way not designed by God to be seen as a contract of mutual distrust, but rather a covenant. Now here's the difference. Contract is based on mutual distrust of one another. A covenant is based on mutual commitment to one another. Do you see the difference? A covenant is based on a mutual commitment to each other. And these two views of marriage could not be more different If our view of marriage is that of a covenant based on a mutual commitment to each other, then when we experience conflict, when we experience maybe a relational drift from one another, when we experience tension, we are going to be asking completely different questions from the person who views marriage as a contract the person who views marriage as a contract is going to be asking questions like, how do I get the most happiness out of my marriage? And if I can't seem to figure that out, then how do I get out of my unhappy marriage? But if we have a covenant view of marriage, we're asking completely different questions. Questions like, how can I? See, it's not about you now. It's not about your spouse. It's about, it's about me You personally, how can I honor God with my marriage? Like that's the baseline starting point of our view of marriage itself. That I made a promise, not just to my spouse, I made a promise to God to set aside my selfish desires and to love this other person, to put this other person as the most important person, the the most important human being on the planet in my life that that's who that other person's going to be and that that she and i are going to live a jesus centered life together it's a promise yes to one another but it's a promise made to god and this question is more about more about our own surrender to christ it's more about God's transformational power in our own lives than it is about demanding that this other person that we live with conform to our selfish desires. This view of marriage, the the covenant view of marriage, it approaches conflict completely differently. Relational drift in a different way. The contract View of of marriage sees conflict through the lens of personal rights, like the Pharisees did. I have the right to be happy. You have the right, or the responsibility, rather, to make me happy. I'm not happy. Therefore, you are failing to meet the expectations of this contract. You are the problem. That's a contract view the covenant view sees the conflict through a completely different lens. The the covenant view sees the conflict through a promise made to love, a promise made to the other person, a promise made to God, which means that when we experience these things in life, which we all do, that we're not looking for a way out, we are looking for a way back. The covenant of you starts with this promise that we made to God. God, I need you to change my heart. We need you to give us wisdom. We, we need you to help us find our way back together into this one united relationship. When we, when we got married, we ask you to unite us together as one. Bring us back to that. This is why Jesus can say what God has joined together. Let no one separate. uh, Speaking of uh, physical intimacy, let's go ahead and talk about it since you brought it up. Um, (laughs) Not only does this covenant view of marriage impact the way that, that we approach conflict in our relationships, it absolutely impacts how we view physical intimacy, both before marriage and after marriage. Now, I'm just going to give you three sample passages from God's Word. Remember where you are. Remember what the series uh, is, is, where it's coming from. It's a biblical view, okay? Hebrews chapter 13. These will all be on the screen. Uh, I have them in your Digital notes, if you're following along there, but they'll be on the screen for you. I have the references on your notes. Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. What are we talking about? We're talking about physical intimacy. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. What's in that category? Well, what's in that category of sexual immorality is anything that is outside the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. That's the standard, that's the baseline. Ephesians 5 3 then, then raises the standard. Listen to this. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. For these are improper for God's holy people. Well, now the standard just felt like it went up. You think that's high. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. Where did we hear that? Well, that's the Ten Commandments. But Jesus says, I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, boy. That is a high standard of purity. If you are currently offended, if you are currently irritated by what you just heard, let me remind you that we are presenting a biblical view of marriage, a biblical view of physical intimacy. These aren't my standards. I didn't sit in my office this week, of course, I was at camp working on this, but I, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't sit down and like, hmm, what rules should I come up with to ruin people's lives? That's not what this is. These are God's standards and principles that he has revealed to us, not because he hates us, not because he wants to ruin your day. Because he loves us, because he wants to protect us from harm, because he wants to bless our lives. He knows the harm that can come when we, when we draw outside the boundary lines of things like this. And if we believe that marriage is designed by God to be a covenant, between a man and a woman for life, and, and then, then we can understand that physical intimacy outside of that marriage covenant, it's sin. It, it's, if, if we are not married, then, then physical intimacy is off limits until we are married. And if we are married, then physical intimacy is limited to the marriage covenant between a husband and a wife. It's really not hard to understand. It's not a complicated thing to follow, Here, is it hard to live up to? Yeah, it's a high standard to live up to. It's why we need Jesus. It's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us to live up to this high standard. I mean, you talk about even extending to our thoughts, and we're going to fail that one every time if we don't have the Holy Spirit transforming us. And if your view of marriage is nothing more than a contract, here's what, here's what this sounds like. It sounds like what it sounded like to those folks that I was teaching, you know, 20 plus years ago. This is ridiculous. This is stupid. This is unnecessarily limiting on my life. But if our view of marriage is that it is a covenant between the, the person that we are married to and God, then, then we begin to see the blessing. Then we begin to see how God's design actually blesses us, protects us from harmful and destructive things, that His, his standards act like guardrails. And we have the, the center line, we have the guardrails there for a reason. And, and it might seem like fun to ride the center line and, and on the rumble strips or whatever, it might seem like a lot of fun, but then it's when I kind of hear my mom, maybe you had a mom like this, my my mom had this tendency to say things like, you know, it's all fun and games until you wreck and die. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks mom. It's yeah. direct, thank you. You know, I, I shared I shared with you that uh, Angie and I are celebrating our milestone 25. We have some folks in here that have way surpassed that. There's a couple first service. Uh, they just celebrated 50. I, I know there's people in here that are, uh, already celebrated 60. It's amazing. It's incredible. And I am so incredibly grateful by the grace and kindness of God after 25 years of marriage. I believe that Angie and I have a, a strong, healthy marriage. But I remember a season of our marriage uh, when, our, when our kids were small, when they were young. Um, we had three pretty young kids, and Faith, the youngest at the time, uh, had some special needs. We had a lot of surgeries and a lot of stress and a lot of attention needed, needed to kind of flow her direction there for a while. And what we remember about that season of our lives, of our marriage, is that uh, there for a while, uh, we, we lost sight of each other, if that makes sense. Um, there, there, was some, there was some drift there. Um, and what we realized in that season was that there were things that needed to change. There were things that needed to change in our attitudes. There were things that needed to change in our behaviors. There were things that needed to change in our priorities. And had we viewed marriage as a, a contract, you know it's possible it might not have recovered that that happens in people's lives. but praise God, we then and now view marriage as a covenant, and so we weren't looking for a way out we were We were looking for a way back and it's the covenant i I hope I can make this as clear the covenant is not just this promise that we make with someone that we're not going to break up and i think sometimes that's maybe sometimes how we as christians view the, the christian marriage or this covenant we make a promise that we're not going to divorce we're not going to break up and and that's all that's all the more that covenant really means and i don't think that's true i don't think i think it's something much deeper than that the covenant is a commitment to keep finding our way back together because conflict happens because relational drift happens because tension in marriage and different points of view and all these these things uh, things you weren't expecting like sick kids and and lost jobs and people die and there's there are tensions that we're not that we don't see coming and then they put strain and stress on the marriage and that happens in life But the covenant view of marriage is saying we made a commitment to each other. We made a commitment, a a covenant with God that we're going to keep finding our way, pushing our way, fighting our way back together, asking God to change our hearts, asking God to change our attitudes, our expectations, our priorities. Change, Lord, change my desires. It's like the gospel Before before the gospel makes any sense, we have to first realize that we're the problem. We have to first realize that we have this, this sin problem and because of our sin problem, we are broken. And we need the grace of God to fix our sin problem. We can't do it on our own. We need Jesus to do that for us. If we don't believe that we have a sin problem, then there's no reason for Jesus to fix it. And the gospel-centered covenant marriage is more than just this promise that we make to another person that we're not gonna divorce. It is a commitment to be honest about our own shortcomings. It's a commitment to humbly say, Jesus, I need you to change me so that we can enjoy this intimacy that God intends for us to enjoy as he is the one who united us as, as, as one flesh in marriage. So I'm not sure where you find yourself today. You may, may not have a healthy marriage. You may be dating right now and your behaviors in your relationship are not, God-honoring. Maybe maybe there's some things in in your past that you look back on and you're not super proud of. I just want to remind you where we started. This this is not about condemnation. It's not about handing out to-go bags of guilt for the ride home. We all need God's grace. You, me, we need God's forgiveness. We need God's help. We we, we need the Holy Spirit to help us do life. And certainly marriage is one of those areas that we desperately need His help. So I would just say if if, if there is a feeling of, of conviction over maybe something in your life that needs to change, then just understand it this way, that that is God like if you have this feeling it's uneasy and it makes you uncomfortable, this feeling of conviction, that is God calling your heart to something better than you're experiencing now. That's what that is. It's not not God trying to punt you across the room and ruin your day. He loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to call your heart back to something better. He's calling your heart, my heart, towards freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, through repentance, through God's forgiveness, through this relationship with Jesus. So I guess what I would like you to take a a to-go bag with you this morning is just a, a deep thought a desire to think deeply, honestly, and humbly this morning of what do you really believe about marriage? How do you really view it? Do you view it as a contract, or do you view it as a covenant? And as you sort that out with the Lord, as you pray over that, as you think deeply, honestly, and humbly about the answer to that question, not what you want people to think, what do you really believe, then begin to ask this question, what needs to change in me? God, what do you want to change in me? Please, please resist the urge to leave here today with a list of things that need to change in someone else. Humbly, honestly ask God, what do you want to change in me? Lord, thanks that we've had this time together. I Thank you for the opportunity that we have to to talk through subject matters like this that uh, are really really important they're important to you they're they're important to to our everyday lives and we just ask that you would help us to truly honestly and humbly uh, walk with you through this uh, through this conversation this month bless us strengthen us take things out of our lives that don't belong there And help us put things into our hearts, into our lives, into our marriages that are going to strengthen them, that are going to draw us closer to you, that are going to help us pull together towards a Jesus-centered life. And if there's those this morning that are hurting that just need uh, your grace in their lives, please pour your love and grace into their hearts right now. Remind them that with you there's always... There's always forgiveness. That your grace doesn't run out. And Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you through faith in Jesus, I pray that you would remind them that you would uh, call to them with the same message. It doesn't matter where we've been or how long we've been there. You are calling that heart to something better. Calling them, Lord, out of slavery to sin and into a life of freedom with you. We just want to thank you for what you're doing in our hearts this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand and we'll finish with a song.